fun to watch. Honest 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Hello, Utah Street. Five, four, three, two, one. Sorry for the extended wait, everyone. I know it's been a while, but we are back to our regularly scheduled podcast for the week. Welcome into the Mass and All Access podcast, everybody. Bobby Blanco here coming to you live from my studio in my home in Washington, D.C. Again, apologies for the long break. We had some health scheduling issues over the last week or so. We tried to fit in an episode last week, uh, but it just wasn't in the card. So we're happy to bring you a live episode this week to start the uh, start the week on a Monday. Don't usually do on Monday afternoons, but here we are. Nationals off day. Figured we, it'd be a good time for us to uh, uh, bring you a brand new episode. Hopefully you're tuning in live on YouTube, on the Mass Nationals YouTube channel, Mass Nationals Facebook page, or on Twitter. And be sure to comment along. I know it's been a while since we talked to you guys, so hopefully you guys have a lot of thoughts and comments about the Nationals uh, to hear. We like making you guys a part of this pro- uh, the program throughout the course of the show. Let me bring in my co-host, Amy Jennings, uh, who is joining me via Zoom from her uh, safe home in uh, her own apartment. And Amy, again, it's been a while since we chatted. Good to see you. How are you? I know. I'm doing well, Bobby. I'm doing well. I was just thinking maybe we're a little bit like the Nationals. We're having some health complications here. We had to we had to follow suit. Um, but you got your va- second vaccination last week. I'm getting my second one this week. So next week, the Mass and All Access Nationals podcast will be fully vaccinated and we'll be good to go for the season. Yeah, that's, exa- that's, a, that's a hilarious way to put it because that's exactly what's going on. Like you said, I got my second, va- like just like the Nationals health and weird scheduling. Like the, the Nationals have these weird schedule, like three off days of the course of a week. Uh, of course, now they're going to place the blue to play the Blue Jays in Dunedin, Florida, not Toronto. So yeah, we're, we're kind of along the same path as the Nationals right now. Uh, I wasn't feeling great Wednesday after my shot, of course, was the day we usually do the podcast. Uh, Thursday, was still kind of recuperating, wasn't really ready to prep. And then your schedule uh, came into play on Friday. So all good. Uh, that's kind of the flexibility of the show. That's why we enjoy doing it. We can kind of do it whenever we're available to you. But sorry for all those who have been looking for the podcast uh, over the past week or so. Uh, yeah, so there's a lot to talk about. I guess we're coming up on two weeks now not having had a show uh, since our last show, at least. Um, and the Nationals coming off uh, a, a series uh, in New York, starting a five-game road trip, dropped two of three to the Mets. Uh, like I said, they're going down to Florida to play the Blue Jays this week, a two-game set starting on Tuesday. Uh, it's, you know, it's just kind of the tail of the tape. It's that it's it's a negative time right now, right? The Nationals are 8-11 and 11 on the season. They're in last place in the National League East. We don't want this to sound too negative, too down of an episode of a show, but that's just kind of the, what it is right now for the podcast. But we are going to be looking at some positive takeaways. It's not all bad, right? I mean, yes, they're in last place, Amy, but they're only two games out of first place. The National League East is very competitive maybe even underperforming. Of course, we know the Nationals and the Mets got off to slow starts with the COVID protocols delaying the start of their season. So there are it's a lot of bad, but there are some goods that we're going to try to dig through uh, today. Right, exactly. The Nationals aren't the only ones in their division by any means off to a slow start. So that kind of works to their advantage right now while they're battling some health issues, of course, that delay to the season because of 
that COVID protocol issues. But it's kind of crazy because the last podcast we had, we had finally gotten everybody back in the lineup uh, for the Nationals from all of that, that COVID protocol stuff. And we were talking about the, the lineup being back in true form, right? And now we're back on this podcast talking about how the lineup is kind of broken up again, health complications, along with the rotation and the bullpen's a little bit beat up as well. So a lot of health issues, a lot to talk about this weekend and kind of how it's affected the Nationals so far and how it's going to affect them moving forward. Yeah, the Nationals uh, are just being absolutely destroyed by the injury bug right now. I think that's their biggest enemy right now, um, along with some some miscues here and there by the guys who are playing, which you know we can discuss later. But there's so many important people that are not available to Davey Martinez right now. Of course, Juan Soto, Steven Strasburg. You have Will Harris hasn't even made his debut yet. He's an important piece to the back end of the bullpen. Uh, Trey Turner got hit by a pitch yesterday. You, they can't afford to let him get go down, and hopefully he'll be okay and be ready to play the Blue Jays this week. Uh, so it's like it's like kind of that thing that I bring up all the time that uh, you know Dusty Baker used to say his time here. It's not it's not who gets. I mean, it's not the injuries itself. It's who gets hurt and when. You know, and the Nationals are unfortunately a lot of important pieces to their roster are not available to them right now. Your number two pitcher, your best hitter, your number four starter, John Lester hasn't even made his debut yet. So, uh, you know, your second or third guy out of the bullpen and uh, and Will Harris, uh, it, you know, it's, it's so it's not just the amount of uh, injuries because every team deals with injuries every season, right? But it's it's who and when they're getting hurt. It's just all coming together right now. It just happens to be within the first month of the season. Right, and it's kind of unfortunate for the Nationals because it's like a double-edged sword and it turns into a domino effect because they have Juan Soto, obviously their best hitter out of their lineup. Um, And when you aren't scoring runs, that puts a lot more pressure on your pitching. And then you have two of your starters out of the rotation and you're not getting what you want out of your one of your top three starters in Patrick Corbin. So they're kind of getting hit uh, with both sides of it right now. And that puts a lot of pressure on the offense and then, of course, on the pitching. So I think... Uh, people are already commenting, where's John Lester? John yeah. Lester is at the alternate site. Um, and it seems like we're going to see him here pretty soon. He's worked his way up to 90 pitches. So that kind of gives you a good idea uh, that you're going to see him maybe as soon as the end of the week. Um, but we're going to get into that. And Davey Martinez has some updates on some the players and their injuries and where they are um, right now. But John Lester up to 90 pitches. And we could see him as soon as as soon as soon uh, this end of the week. Right, Bobby? Yeah, um, Davey Martinez met, talked yesterday pregame. Actually, let's just play it right now. Let's. Let, I don't want to speak for Davey because Davey talked uh, for himself and had an update on all these guys, and then we kind of we can kind of react after the fact. So here's Davey Martinez from Sunday afternoon before the game, I guess Sunday morning before the, the finale against the Mets in City Field, providing health updates on all the guys: Lester, Soto, Strasburg, uh, all the guys that are important that are down at the Fredericksburg site uh, getting ready for the season. Juan actually uh, hit off the tee yesterday. He felt fine. Um, we'll see how he feels today. Uh, he'll have um, he'll have a day today to kind of recoup. He'll, you know, he'll do some some uh, other things, but uh, we'll, hopefully we'll get him back out there tomorrow. Head again tomorrow off the tee, and we'll see where he goes from there. Uh, Suero's doing great. Um, he's moving around pretty good. Uh, he did some um, some some uh, throwing drills without throwing a baseball, just emulating his his uh mechanics and stuff and he felt fine uh strasburg threw 100 at 120 feet you know he'll do that again tomorrow and we'll we'll see how that goes and it will go from there will harris and john lesser both are pitching today so uh we'll see how they fare this afternoon 
So a lot of updates right there from Davey Martinez, but it's all, you know, it's not good news that they're not with the team, Amy, but by all accounts, those are good reports back from guys who are hurt. So it doesn't seem like anyone's facing any setbacks. It doesn't feel like anyone's going to be on the IL any longer than needed. Uh, Friday could be a very interesting day. Like I mentioned, the weird schedule. So they're off today on Monday. They have two games down in Florida against the Blue Jays. They're off on Thursday. And then Friday, they return home to face the Marlins. That Friday, with the two off days this week and a two-game series against an interleague opponent, you might see a couple roster moves coming down Friday afternoon before that series opener against the Marlins. That's the first day Juan Soto will be eligible to return. From his shoulder injury, he seems to be okay. He's taking swings. They're trying to get him into some sim games, uh, maybe some intra-squad games that they're playing against the Orioles alternate site over there too as well. Um, And then also, you know, John Lester, like you mentioned, Amy, pitched 90 pitches on Sunday afternoon. Five days from that would be Friday afternoon. And guess who would start that game? Patrick Corbin. And we can kind of get into this right now. Is Patrick Corbin's spot in the rotation up for grabs is he in any kind of danger of losing that spot with John Lester being ready to come off the IL does Davey Martinez maybe bump Corbin maybe an extra day or maybe out of the rotation completely or maybe there's some injury we don't know underlying injury that might find Patrick Corbin on the IL himself what do you think about that kind of move uh, as we head into this, this this week Right. I mean, I think that's definitely possible. And moving his start a day, I think, is probably the most realistic thing. We haven't heard about any injury issues um, causing his lack of success so far this season. And his, I mean, three out of his four outings have been pretty, pretty bad. His third outing of the season, we thought we kind of, you know, saw a breakthrough. He threw a scoreless six innings um, in that outing, but then he came back yesterday and he was the same Patrick Corbin we've seen so far. So I don't know at this point yet, especially the the state of the rotation with having both Lester and uh, Strasburg out at this point, um, that his, his spot in the rotation is at jeopardy yet. Uh, but I would imagine if he keeps his next outing is the way we have seen him, uh, that's an option. But bumping him a day could be pretty realistic, uh, the way that lines up for John Lester to maybe make his his season debut on Friday. Do you kind of do you feel the same way, Bobby? Yeah, I mean, I think I think you're right in that there's more at play here than just these two pitchers, right? And it just so happens that they have lined up to start Friday, right? But the off days and then having both pitched, obviously – Patrick Corbin in a real game against the Mets and John Lester ramping up finally to 90 pitches um, at a training site that obviously, you know, those two correlate and that's worth talking about, but I think there's more at play here. I don't think that you bump uh, Patrick Corbin entirely from the rotation, assuming John Lester is ready to go on Friday or this upcoming weekend. Uh, if Steven Strasburg is not ready, because then, I mean, you still need that fourth starter. Now the, the schedule has worked out in such that, Dave Martinez can ride this four-man rotation for now. But after this week, I believe they start playing a lot of games in a row without any off days. They have the following Monday off. Uh, they have the next two Mondays off, actually. So they have three Mondays off in a row, which is very bizarre. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, you've got the Braves three in a row and then the Yankees three in a row after this Marlins series. So you're going to need a fifth starter in there somewhere. Um, and you're not going to be able to ride this four-man rotation too much longer. I, I think... Yeah, if Steven Strasburg is is on schedule like Davey Martinez seems to imply that he is, he hasn't thrown off a mound yet though, which is kind of concerning. So I wouldn't anticipate him unless he start throwing off a mound like today or tomorrow, um, or or Wednesday. Probably won't see Stras yet until later on in this homestand, maybe even their next road trip. But you know, if by somehow he is ready to go, 
maybe you consider it. Maybe you consider, hey, Pat, take a day off or two, take extra rest, you know, work on some mechanical stuff. Um, I don't think he will fully get the bump to the bullpen just yet, like you kind of hinted at. It's way too early. It's only four starts. Yes, his ERA is over 10, uh, but, you know, he's too important, and you're paying him too much money to bump him right now, to abandon ship right now, right, and 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 send him to the bullpen or send him. I would, I would think that first they would do one of those – he has, you know, a fingernail issue that he's going to be on the IL for 10 days. I think they would do one of those. I don't want to accuse them, but every baseball team does this of like, quote unquote, yeah. making up an injury for him. I would think they would do one of those moves before just bumping him to the bullpen because they need him to be a starter, right? They can't have him being a bullpen arm throughout the course of the season. He's too important to this rotation. Uh, no, I agree 100%. And right now they don't have that luxury. I mean, just with the health issues that they're facing, they don't have the luxury of bumming him to the bullpen, taking him out of the rotation completely. Um, and just like you mentioned, the schedule has really worked to Davey Martinez's advantage, having all these off days, being able to go with a four-man rotation. But as this schedule vamps up here, uh, they need to get these guys back because that's not going to be able to last forever, especially with this team, with how much stock they have in this rotation. They have to be healthy and they have to go with that five-man rotation eventually. Um, so right now they don't really have the luxury of, of bumping Patrick Corbin out yet. But let's say he has a couple more starts and he's pitching the way he is, can't find that command, can't find his location. Um, then that's definitely something to talk about. It's just unfortunate because – Patrick Corby's getting a pretty good paycheck uh, there as their number three starter. So we'll see how it pans out over his next few starts. Um, but it's certainly a conversation that we could be having two starts down the road. What's the what's the threshold for you, Amy? What's like what's the cutoff point? Like at what point do you have to say, okay, we need to do something here? Assuming it's not like an IL kind of stint, what's the what's the uh, cutoff point where you have to say, all right, we need to either move him out of the rotation or send him down mm -hmm. or not send him down, but you know what I mean? Like what, at what point does it get a little too drastic? I think it's, I think it's very dependent on getting Strasburg and Lester back and how they perform because yeah. we're kind of, we haven't seen John Lester yet. So it's possible he comes back and doesn't look good at all. Um, it's possible Steven Strasburg comes back. We don't even know his timetable right now. So I think it's more dependent on that than it really, it truly is on Patrick Corbin's performance. Um, but if he has two, three more outings, uh, like he has, I think more like two, then they could be in trouble. What, what do you think? Can you, can, uh, well, I was thinking, can, can they afford two or three more outings like this from Patrick Corbin? I mean, I know his third one much more improved six. I think it was scoreless, maybe just one run. Uh, over mm -hmm. six innings against the Cardinals. That's the Patrick Corbin we know. He was working on his slider. His fastball location was much better. And then he got completely away from that. I mean, he said after that one good start, he's like, he just needs to keep it simple. He needs to go back to the basics. And he kind of reverted away from that again. He's he's not, his slider isn't getting that kind of back at backdoor action that we're used to seeing. And his fastball is kind of up and in, against, especially against right-handers. Right-handers are seeing him like a balloon up there. Um, and, and his fastball is just not, being located exactly where he needs it to be. So at what point, I, I don't know if the Nationals can afford two or three more starts. Like now, like right. I said, they're not, eight and 11 isn't great, but they're only two games back. No one in the NL East is currently running away with it. They're actually all under 500 right now, except for the Mets who are one game above 500. And then that one game, of course, came in yesterday against the, the Nationals. So it's not like they're seven games back right now. They're only two games back. So I guess that gives you some leeway, but I don't know if you can afford with a, ERA over 10, you can afford two or three more starts like that. If every four starts, you're only getting one good one from Patrick Corbin, 
it doesn't, I don't, in my mind, it doesn't matter how Lester or Strasburg are doing. They can't afford that at all at this point. It, it, it's, it's, we talked about can't afford a slow start. And this is right. kind of what we're seeing right now. Obviously the COVID issue doesn't help. That's out of their control, but Patrick Corbin, he, yes, he was part of that group, but he needs to find it soon. I mean, we can't be talking about the still come Memorial day weekend and Patrick Corbin has an ERA above 10 and, and is Owen like four and five. Right. I mean, the thing with Patrick Corbin is it's very clear that slider, his go-to pitch is spinning out and he can't locate his fastball. I mean, that's, that's pretty cut and dry. And that's where we're seeing, I mean, you, he just can't sustain, stay in games like that. Um, but the thing is, is the nationals also aren't scoring runs. So that's where you get into that double-edged sword. Um, if Patrick, maybe they can afford a couple more outings from Patrick Corbin with a little bit uh, improvement if they score runs. But if they aren't scoring any runs and you're getting those kind of outings from Patrick Corbin, that's where you run into the issue. So uh, could they afford two more outings from Patrick Corbin like that when they're not scoring runs? Absolutely not. But like you mentioned, um, they're only two games back. So given that, and let's say the offense comes alive a little bit more, um, then that's something to talk about. So it's kind of tough because the situation that the Nationals are in, we can't just say, uh, can we afford Patrick Corbin to pitch like that? It's like, well, also you need your offense to do something because if you're getting shut out uh, every other game, it doesn't really matter um, who's on the mound and how they perform. Um, and then you have to worry about the 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 status of the rest of your rotation. So they're kind of in a tough spot uh, and they don't really have the luxury to, to pull him right now, but it really, really might come to that. Um, it'll be interesting to see. You kind of feel bad for him because that's a really tough position to be in. You, you really hope he figures it out here soon, but four outings so far and three of them really, really not great. So not a good start for Patrick Corbin and could lead to some serious issues uh, for the nationals moving forward. Yeah, I, I, I hear your point about the offense, but I would just point out that, you know, of his those three bad starts, in two of them he gave up six and ten runs. And then on Sunday he only gave up four, which is not terrible. I mean, four innings, four runs and in four innings, that's not great, but that's not out of the realm of possibility of making a comeback, right? The Nationals only I got like, I think, six hits yesterday and obviously didn't score any runs. There was a lot of errors in the field in terms of base running. Victor Robles getting thrown out at third, trying to stretch a double into a triple. Mm -hmm. Josh Harrison getting picked off at first in the top of the first inning, uh, stuff like that. So, yes, I, I mentioned this in the recap portion of, of my, the recap podcast that I've been doing that, yes, Patrick Corbin wasn't great, but it, yesterday it wasn't entirely his fault. Those first two, though, were. You can't expect an offense to go out there and compete when you're giving up six runs and four and a third and ten and two innings over his first two starts. So I would say yesterday's start, Sunday start, wasn't as bad as his first two, but – uh, it also wasn't great. It wasn't good enough from what we've seen in his third start and what we've seen, you know, from his first year here yeah. in DC. And it kind of just ties back into what we saw last year with him too, right? Like, what is this the Patrick Corbin we're getting now? Because this is the concern that some people had when they signed Patrick Corbin back in the winter of 2018, but in December. You know, yes, he had a couple of really good years in the Diamondbacks, but he also had some not so good years. And he was even thrown in the bullpen at one point early on in his career. So is he reverting back to that old Patrick Corbin or are we going to see him moving back to the Patrick Corbin we saw in 2019 uh, when he was a stud third starter and, and a great one of the best left-handed pitch starting pitchers in baseball? Right. I think that's a really good point. I mean, allowing 16 runs in his first six and a third innings um, in those first two starts, you have to be able to keep your team in the game, especially when you're talking about Patrick Corbin, who was supposed to be part of the big three uh, in this Nationals rotation. I mean, when you get into your fourth, your fifth starters, 
Um, that's when you're like, just keep your team in the game, right? Uh, just just give them the chance to win. But with Patrick Corbin, I mean, you have to have a little bit higher expectations and you certainly be, can't be giving up six runs, 10 runs um, in, in a game. So your offense really has no chance at that point. But at the same time, the Nationals have been shut out five times yep. in 19 games and they've only scored a run in the other two, which I think both of those ended up being wins because they were both Max Scherzer starts. <laughs> um, so when you're dealing with Max Scherzer on the mound, maybe you can score a run and get away with a win, but that's not going to work uh, work with everybody. So Patrick, I mean, it, at least like the, those four runs, that's not terrible, but giving up 10 runs, you don't even give your, your, your team a, a good chance. Um, but obviously this, this offense has to improve, um, improve also. And like those base running errors, I mean, that's just, that can't happen. Victor Robles making that first out at third or Josh Harrison at first base. Uh, it's just, that's not going to work at this level. Yeah. And, and you know, that's something we chatted about with Mark Zuckerman on our last pod almost two weeks ago. And it, it's still a concern now, almost two weeks later. Right. And you know, Mark was like, this is an issue. He said, this is an issue. And this is something that Davey Martinez has stressed every spring training and every year, it seems like we still have the same issues. They cannot do the little things correctly. And, and, you know, I think even looking back, some people pointed out, um, and I talked to a couple of like, you know, family members and friends on, on Saturday and that seven to one win, there were still some issues there, right? Like they, Still had like they couldn't lay down bunts in key situations. Now those things can be brushed on the under the rug when you're winning seven to one, but that can't become a habit, right? And we've seen this become a habit that they can't do small things correctly uh, as a whole too. I'm not just excluding Patrick Corbin or, or Victor Robles. It's everybody who's doing like situational hitting, runners in scoring position. They went zero for seven yesterday. I haven't looked it up, but I can't imagine they're doing too well as a whole. Uh, in terms of the greater league and how they do with runners in scoring position. They left seven men on base. So it's this is just all kind of playing a part of the conversation, of the greater conversation, that they don't do the little things well. And when you don't do the little things well and you lose and you have guys that have tough outings, those things get magnified and you're not being nitpicked anymore. You're just talking about a greater problem that this team has overall. Right. I mean, 0 for 7 with runners in scoring position yesterday. And of course, making those out on the bases. I mean, they can't beat themselves in this division. Yeah. All those little things are going to be amplified. And then you have your best hitter and two of your starters out. All those mistakes are amplified even more. You can get away with it when you're hitting. You can get away with it when you're scoring runs. But when you're not doing that, all of those things are magnified and you're going to lose games that way. And you don't want to you don't want to beat yourself. And that's what the Nationals can't do, especially when they've caught the injury bug right now at this point. You have to do all the little things right to win games, not in this division, but when they have so many guys out. And it's maybe even more frustrating because had they done the little things correctly in a handful of these games, We've talked about it. Yes, this schedule is not easy. The only easy, uh, quote-unquote, easy team that you face so far is probably the Diamondbacks, and you split with them at home. Um, but you did take the season series against the Cardinals, winning four out of six. But, you know, when you've got a tough schedule and you're in some of these games and you don't win them because you can't do the little things right, that's when they get magnified even more. And it's like, had you just done this right, hey, put down that bunt. If you had stolen that base, if you didn't get thrown out on the base pass, if you didn't make that fielding error, if you just would have thrown out to the cutoff man, stuff like that, you know, we could be talking about a team slightly above 500 or at 500 instead of three games under right now and, you know, in second place in the NL East or even first instead of last. So, you know, it's this is a very like seesaw like conversation, right? Because like we're talking about, there's a lot of bads, but there's some caveats. But it's still bad, but there's still some good. I mean, 
it doesn't I don't want it to sound like we're just absolutely destroying this team because there are some good takeaways and there are caveats. They're hurt. They had a slow start to the season. They had a COVID outbreak. Uh, they have a tough schedule, stuff like that. But at some point, you just kind of kind of shut up and play, right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we can't sit here forever saying, oh, well, they had that, that COVID outbreak at the beginning of the season or, oh, they have all these injuries or, oh, they have a tough schedule. Well, there are a lot of teams in, in baseball that are dealing with that, have dealt with that and have tough schedules. So there are some good takeaways. Um, but they also, they can't make those small mistakes and they have to score runs. I mean, that's been the biggest thing. I mean, you have Josh Bell who went 0 for 11 in this series against the Mets hitting cleanup. Um, Josh Bell's only hit, hitting 119, hitting cleanup. So that's not what you want to see out of your cleanup hitter. And then you have Kyle Schwarber, who's hardly hitting any better, 192. Um, and I get that Juan Soto's out of the lineup, but you know you can't sustainably win with just relying on Trey Turner and Juan Soto. You saw that firsthand last year. I mean, when you only have two hitters in your lineup producing, you can't really win a whole lot of games. But we are realistic, and we know that when you have your best hitter out of the lineup, that affects everybody else. I mean, when there's nobody to pitch around, that affects the pitches that other guys see in the lineup. So it definitely is a domino effect having Juan Soto out, um, and we've certainly seen it. But everybody else has to pick them up. And what we see out of these numbers, especially out of Josh Bell and Kyle Schwarber, that's not going to work. I mean, they have to have to start to come up. Yeah, but, okay, so just to play devil's advocate and keeping with this, like, seesawing back and forth in terms of caveats and stuff like that, you know, yes, the lineup without Juan Soto is not as strong as it is with him. And Josh, I mean, uh, Josh Bell and, and Kyle Schwarber, you know, not only provide protection from Juan Soto, but also get protection in return and see more fastballs and see better pitches to hit when he's in the lineup. That being said, though, you look at the lineup that David Martinez switched around for Saturday and Sunday, and you had Josh Harrison, who is the team's best hitter right now, leading off. You had Yadiel Hernandez, who went two for four on Saturday and then got on base all four times uh, in his plate appearances on Sunday. And then Trey Turner, who is leads the team, I think, an average outside of Joe, uh, um, uh, Josh Harrison, right now and it leads the team in home runs uh batting third so there are good hitters it's not like josh bell and kyle schwarber are hitting behind schlubs without joe uh juan soto right like the the guys ahead of them are still getting on base and producing and then like you mentioned you're you're all you're hitting 119 and below 200 uh in in your cleanup spot in the fifth hole that's just not going to cut it like you said i mean it's just it's not like they're not getting protection or not having the opportunity to drive runs in they are and they're failing to do so Right, exactly. I mean, we can sit here. Yes, on one hand, Juan Soto does affect that lineup. But at the same time, just like you said, it's not like they have bums coming off the bench um, hitting ahead of them. So those guys have to step up. Um, and it becomes even more amplified when they don't have Juan Soto in the lineup. It's like, well, you, you guys need to wake your bats up and they're, they're just not. Um, and But at the same time, Yadiel Hernandez is hitting in Juan Soto's spot. So when you have a 33-year-old rookie hitting in Juan Soto's spot probably you know getting the second most at bats possibly um in the game that does change things but Yadiel Hernandez hasn't really come up short and Josh Harrison certainly hasn't either um so that lineup that Davey Martinez kind of constructed over these last two games does seem a little wonky um but it makes sense and it's those guys at the top of the lineup that we don't traditionally see there 
aren't the ones coming up short. It's the ones that are already hitting in your four hole, the five hole um, that are still not producing at the plate. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. How about this? So the best hitters in terms of batting average right now, of course, Trey Turner hitting 274. Ryan Zimmerman hitting, he's hitting 294 in only 13 games. I, we should talk about how much Ryan Zimmerman is not playing right now. Now, we'll probably see him with the DH against the Blue Jays this week. But at what point do we start having a conversation? Should Ryan Zimmerman be playing more over Josh Bell? Uh, Juan Soto hitting 300 on the IL. Josh Harrison hitting 318. Now your leadoff hitter. And Yadiel Hernandez, who just made back-to-back rare starts hitting 313 in 10 games in 16 at-bats. That's not a small sample size. I mean, it, it is, but it's it's, it's worth 10, 10 games isn't like four. For like some of these guys, like he has more than some of the catchers do. Um, so it's not like that's you should just completely brush that aside. Yadiel Hernandez, in the small amount he has played, which is significant, uh, has produced. And so, you know, those cannot be your your backup first baseman. Like you said, your 31-year-old rookie outfielder who just got called up and uh, your injured right fielder and now your possibly injured shortstop can't be your best hitters throughout. Kyle Schwarber and Josh Bell have to pick up some of the slack, uh, especially with Juan Soto out. And so at what point now do we start talking about should Ryan Zimmerman, and, and if, if we see Ryan Zimmerman tear the ball off the cover in, in Florida in the next two games as the DH when he gets his playing time, we might have to come start talking about him playing more at first base uh, when the Nationals get back to D.C. Right. I mean, I have a hard time Ryan Zimmerman getting off to such a hot start that he did uh, and then sitting him for a week. I mean, not only at that age is it tough to do that, but also the way that Josh Bell's playing, I have a hard time kind of justifying that. Yeah. Uh, I get maybe you're trying to, to build Josh Bell's confidence. You want him to get going in a groove here, but let's not forget that he's kind of a little bit of a, a liability defensively. I get it that Ryan Zimmerman's a little bit older, um, but he might even be a better defensive replacement, and he's doing much, much better at the plate. Uh, So Josh, I mean, Josh Bell hitting 119 and not giving Ryan Zimmerman a chance, uh, at least playing him one, two games in the past week, kind of surprises me. I get it they don't have the luxury of having a designated hitter, obviously, when they're playing those NL games, and you're much more likely to see him in this Blue Jays series. But it's kind of hard um, to stick Josh Bell out there every day when you know what kind of start Ryan Zimmerman got off to um, and what he's capable of defensively as well. Yeah, he got a pinch hit yesterday on Sunday against the Mets, but he hasn't started a game since the previous Sunday against the Diamondbacks. And he, play, he played that entire game. Uh, did go 0 for 4, though. So, you know, I, I agree. I think, and David was asked about this too, I think by our own Mark Zuckerman being like, how do you balance that? Because Zim hasn't played in a week, and then our, I'm assuming we're going to see him as the DH in Florida. How do you, like, balance getting him some at-bats and playing time and have him ready to go when called upon? And David didn't seem too concerned about it. He thinks that Ryan is, is going to be able to, like, get it together and, and be ready to play, which I'm sure he will too. But like you said, you know, there is a rhythm here. You know, ball players are people of habit um, and, and need those consistent at-bats, seeing live pitching, seeing major league pitching at all times. Uh, so it, it'll be something to keep an eye on. Now, if, if, he, if he crushes the ball, it's a, it's a conversation we need, to start, we need to start having about if, if he should start playing more over Josh Bell. If he doesn't crush the ball, then the conversation turns to, okay, then Ryan Zimmerman needs to be playing a little more than he is because and maybe we're getting more towards a platoon situation at first base because Josh Bell isn't cutting it, and we've now seen that with an extended period of time off, Ryan Zimmerman uh, gets out of his funk. Right, and that's the one position that 
they have a little bit of depth in, you know, yeah. the, all these injuries and, you know, Carter Keyboom not being up with the team. We don't see a whole lot of depth across the rest of the infield, but that's the one position you do have another option and a pretty good one at that. So that's, that's definitely something we're going to look at, you know, moving forward, but that'll be interesting to see. But let's not forget, this is Josh Bell and Kyle Schwarber, who obviously have had great years in the MLB, but who the Nationals were kind of banking on both having comeback years. Mm. Um, so I don't know how surprised we can be them having a little bit of a slower start. I don't know. What do you think? I I mean, it's tough because, again, it's, you know, they were they were both had uh, Josh Bell had one of the best spring trainings on this team, you know, him and Ryan Zimmerman, actually. And so then to have two weeks off from COVID and not being able to see live hitting. And he was talking about hitting wiffle balls off a machine in his living room. I mean, I, it's it's kind of hard to I put the blame on him right now. Again, we're just going back to this. Well, they were had this time off, though. Give him a break. But we're into the now he's been play, playing for about two weeks now. So it's. Getting to right, that point right. where, all right, you need to start turning a corner. We need to see something. I think his timing is a little better. We saw when he first came back, his timing was super off, which is understandable. Mm-hmm. I think that Dave Martinez said yesterday, you know, he looked, he looks better at the plate. Now it's a matter of just making good contact. He made good contact this weekend. I think he had a really hard line drive that just happened to go straight to a Mets player, a defender yesterday. So he's starting to make contact better. His timing's back. It's just a matter of now putting the ball in play. Can we see? He only they each only have one home run. Of course, Kyle Schwarber the walk off. Josh Bell has the Nationals' last home run, which in all, in general, which came on Tuesday. So, mm-hmm. but at the time they take the field tomorrow night, it's going to be a week since they hit a home run, a calendar week. So, um, you know, it's it's not time to turn the page just yet on them. We are expecting bounce back years, but the thing is, they were on pace to do that coming out of spring training, and then this COVID thing happened. So it's like. It's, it's very tough. frustrating. Yeah. It's very tough. And I don't it is. Want... And it all, obviously, all the blame isn't on both of – I mean, these two guys. I mean, a minus 24 run differential, the second worst in the majors. There's a lot more people to blame than just these two. Right. But you do want them to them – to, they're, they're supposed to be two of your biggest power hitters. So you want them to start doing something uh, here soon. Davey Martinez hasn't had his full lineup for more than a week, right. a month into the season, <laughs> right? I mean, he had – he had like the way he wanted it set up with Turner, Soto, Bell, Schwarber, Castro for all of like a week, if that. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, obviously the COVID start. And then Juan Soto goes on the injured list with a shoulder injury that he doesn't even know how he got it. Or it just feels, it doesn't affect his swing. It just feels bad when he throws. So this small little impingement, it's just so, it's got to be super frustrating for David Martinez and the Nationals and these players that are finding themselves on the IL right now. Um, right. To kind of anything else to add? Oh no, I was um, no, I was gonna say I don't want to be David Martinez right now. Yeah. And also, uh, Alan Duckworth commented, "Any balls certainly is available," and he's a guy that the Nationals still have on the radar. You hear they're still in talks uh, with him, and he hasn't signed anywhere yet. So you never know. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not sure that's the right addition to their rotation right now. But you never know. Patrick Corbin keeps going the way he is. They can't get healthy. Who knows who they could be filling this rotation for the Nationals by the end of the season. Well, here's the thing. So that kind of segues into my what I was trying to get to. Let's try to shift into some more positives right now because that we just spent 20 minutes talking about the negatives. There are some positive takeaways, and, and we're talking about the rotation problems, obviously stemming with Strasburg not being available and Patrick Corbin going through some struggles. But Joe Ross, aside from that start last week against the Cardinals, has been a huge bright spot. Eric Fetty, now in this four-man rotation with Strasburg on the IEL, has been 
a bright spot. I mean, he hasn't been fantastic, but he's keeping guys in games. I mean, you can't blame him for Friday night. Jacob DeGrom is the best pitcher on the planet, and Fetty almost went pitch for pitch with him for the first four innings or so, uh, and and then gave up a, a couple in the fifth. So, you know, there are some positives right here, especially in the areas we're talking about where uh, the, the rotation is struggling, but, you know, Max Scherzer, after the home run issues in opening day, has now settled down and has been pitching phenomenally, striking out a bunch, moving up the charts on the MLB strikeout leaders. Uh, and Joe Ross and Eric Fetty have been have been pretty solid. Hopefully we'll get more of that from Joe Ross and Eric Fetty can continue to fill in admirably for Steven Strasburg. Yeah, seeing Ross and Fetty pitch the way that they have, stepping up the way that they have, is certainly a positive takeaway um, from the national start to this season. I mean, that's huge. That's what they needed out of those two guys, and they've delivered. Um, just like you said, that outing against DeGrom, what what do you do? I mean, anybody yeah. would end up in that same situation. So that is what it is. But you've seen, you have to like what you've seen out of them. And same thing, really, with your bullpen so far. I mean, having Will Harris out, um, having Wander Suero, who Davey relied on a whole lot uh, to start the season, They've really stepped up and really haven't caused any trouble for the Nationals so far to start the season, which is a breath of fresh air, certainly for this organization. So those are two really positive notes in a rotation, bullpen that's banged up a little bit, and a lineup that's not hitting. That's what you want to see out of those next guys up. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and uh, I think Alan Duckworth also saying tread water and and Zimmerman's going to be the this year's Howie Kendrick. The Nationals need a Howie Kendrick right now, right? I mean, <laughs> think back to that 2019 season, Howie Kendrick was, at one point was the only person hitting in this lineup. Uh, so they kind of need someone like that right now just to kind of carry this team uh, moving forward. And, you know, the Blue Jays aren't a huge, you know, they're sneaky expected to contend this year. They obviously went all in on this offseason. They might get George Springer back for the first time this season. Uh, during this series, they've got a couple of other guys on the IL. Um, they are seeing, they are going to see Steven Matz on Wednesday, who Matz, as we know, with his time with the Mets, has pretty bad numbers against the Nationals. The Nationals hit him very well. I haven't seen how Josh Bell and Kyle Schwarber do, but of the consistent Nationals that have been here over the past couple of years, they hit the ball really well off him. So that could be, you know, these could be two games. And the and you got Max Scherzer on Tuesday, and the, the Blue Jays doing a bullpen game on Tuesday night. So it could be setting up. You could get two quick and easy mm-hmm. wins right here, and then all, all of a sudden you're one game under 500 and maybe tied for second place in the, in the division. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. You never know. Obviously, the Blue Jays have a lot of talent. Uh, they're possibly getting George Springer back tomorrow, but he's going to have his first outing against Max Scherzer. So who knows uh, how that's going to go for him first first outing. Um, they are coming back off the IL. So they do have some talent. Uh, they they could contend, but you just never know. I mean, these are some – right now the schedule is lightening up compared to the rest of the Nationals' uh, schedule. So this is kind of, yeah, lightening up for the Nationals. Uh, but they do have talent. So we'll see. Um, but the most important thing is that they have to get those bats going at least because we know everybody can't pitch like Max Scherzer. So getting those bats going is the most important thing. And then maybe it will have a positive effect um, – moving forward on the rest of the roster. Yeah, yeah, and it'll be interesting, again, like I said, uh, the series before this weekend, before they start on Friday, it, you know, there could be a handful of roster moves going, assuming that John Lester could be ready to go, assuming we don't have any update on Patrick Corbin's health and that he's actually fine. Uh, maybe Steven Strasburg, maybe Juan Soto. You know, if you kind of, like, break up this five-game road trip and, like, take the first three games and kind of throw them away and then flip it over to the next three games... And now you look at this five game, like little stint right here, two against the Blue Jays, like we just said, are going to be pretty winnable given the circumstances and who's pitching for each team when. 
And then Friday or this weekend, your first time facing the Marlins again, a team that's rebuilding. They are contending. They, you know, they're, they're not like your typical rebuild team. But on paper, this Nationals team is more talented. They should win at least two of three of this game. So you're looking at over the next five games, the Nationals could be in position to win four or five before you have to face the Braves again, and then go on the road to face the Yankees, who have been have their own struggles as well. So like you said. Schedule is kind of letting up a little bit right now. We got through a tough part, only three games under 500. Uh, so, and we kind of set up the offset. As long as you're not like five, six games under 500, it like, like uh, um, Alan said, tread water. And, and once you get a full roster, a full lineup, a full rotation, and you can start picking up steam and maybe hit the ground running uh, when you get a full mm-hmm. team back. And then maybe by the end of May, you're back, back right in the heart of this thing. Right. I mean, they're right in it right now. Yeah. All of these games are winnable. They just can't beat themselves and they have to score runs. You can't win games if you don't score runs. So yeah. that's all the Nationals can do right now. But all of these games are winnable and they're right in it at this point. So as much as we've talked about the negative, the injuries, all the bad stuff, um, the Nationals could win some games here in this this stretch. And that's another thing, too, that Davey has, has been harping on. As, you know, we're not. Yes, they're making mistakes, but they're playing hard. You know, you. You don't want to see Victor Robles get thrown out of third, but you want to see that aggressiveness of trying to, I'm going to make this a triple, right? It's not like they're playing sloppy and sluggish every single day. They're at least trying and playing hard and giving a full effort. You run into a DeGrom every now and then, that's fine. That's going to happen. You run into, you know, a gutter ball by Steven Strasburg who gives up 10 runs or nine runs, whatever it is. That's going to happen over the course of 162 game season, but night in night out, these guys at least have a fighting chance. Like I said yesterday, you know, for nothing doesn't tell the whole story. They had chances to win that game and come back and win that game. They couldn't get it done, but at least they're kind of staying in it right now. And that will hopefully pay dividends as this roster gets back to full strength. Yeah, exactly. When you have Max Scherzer on the mound going Tuesday, uh, you feel pretty confident that you you at least have a fighting chance, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah I, w- I would think so. Um, <laughs> any last final thought? I mean, again, it's been a couple weeks since we talked, Amy. So any kind of final thoughts that we didn't get to uh, just yet? Um, no, I think the most, I mean, the most important thing my eyes are kind of on is, you know, when these guys are going to come back from injuries. The one thing we didn't really touch on is Will Harris. And that kind of seems like a weird situation there. He has like this hand inflammation, redness, but they haven't really given it a diagnosis. I mean, yeah. they misdiagnosed it saying it was a blood clot at first, but it wasn't that. And they haven't really been able to figure out what it is. And he's still experienced it every time he throws. So I'm kind of curious. I feel like that's a storyline. Uh, we'll certainly have to follow and see when we're going to get him back. But it seems like they're not going to rush him, rush him back up with not really knowing what's causing what's going on with his hand. Yeah, and, and that kind of tying that in with John Lester too, right? I mean, it's like it's it's unfortunate we haven't seen either of these guys yet. But talk about factors that are way out of their control. These guys are both dealing with seemingly serious health issues. Of course, John Lester had his health issue in spring training, came back, that obviously set him back, came back and then had to deal with COVID. And like you mentioned, Will Harris dealing with some, well, it was a blood clot, but now something with his hand. It's not like they're injured and just a nagging injury that's keeping them down. No, they're dealing with health, serious health issues that are keeping them behind. So, you know, like we just talked about how much leeway does Patrick Corbin have. Those guys should have some leeway when they get back here too. So don't expect just because when once if and when they get back, they're going to be, you know, pumping 95 and getting 10 strikeouts and, and you know, Will Harris striking out the side and recording <laughs> the save. They're going to need some leeway to get back into their rhythm once they get back to the team because they, what they've gone through over the past month, each of them, has just been, you know, beyond me. I couldn't I couldn't even comprehend what they've gone through. 
Right. No, I agree with you there. And once we get them back, uh, DB Martinez, then there will be some adjustments to make. And DB Martinez will be able to analyze uh, the talent that he has at a lot better level. But right now, it's kind of hard to tell. He has to keep putting Patrick Corbin out there. He has to keep going with the bullpen that he's going with. So we'll see kind of how that pans out over the next week, possible in that series against the Marlins at home. You'll see some guys that you haven't seen yet. So that'll be exciting to see and hopefully get some wins in these this next um what five games five games or so yeah over the over the next week yeah and again they're weird they're off monday next monday too so we'll have time they have got some time they're not playing too many games so hopefully they'll be able to get some guys and not have to fall too far back into the standings at during the process um just another quick note before we get out of here if you're watching the games on mass and two you'll see some familiar faces and some new faces uh, Bob Carpenter is taking the, the week off uh, for personal reasons. He's going to celebrate his daughter's birthday. Some time off well-earned by him. Um, and Dan Coco will be filling in his shoes as the play-by-play guy for this, uh, at least the Blue Jays series. I'm not entirely sure how it's going to go over the weekend, but you'll hear Dan doing play-by-play with FP Santangelo. And Alex Chappell will be back doing pre- and post-game show and, of course, adding on to the uh, game broadcast. So excited to have Alex back. Happy for Dan to get this uh Great opportunity for him to do play-by-play with FP. So looking forward to this broadcast. It'll be a little different. It'll sound a little different. Uh, But I want everyone to make sure that, you know, Bob is fine. He's just taking some time off. Going to spend some time with the family. And he'll be back uh, in a week or so. And we're happy for Dan and Alex to be back. On that note, though, Amy, real quick before we get out of here, got a question for you because I saw this. Oh, I know. I wanted to ask you this. I know exactly (laughs) what you're going to ask. Go ahead. Because I saw on Twitter that it was just – Last night, oh, Tuesday, of course, Madison Bumgarner threw a seven-inning no-hitter, one part of the double-hitter. Also, we're talking about the struggles of the Nationals have. How about the Braves basically being no-hit and shut out over the course of 14 innings yesterday? But anyways, so on Twitter, FP Santangelo, Dan Colco, both posting opposing thoughts on the seven-inning uh, no-hitter. FP saying it should count as a no-hitter. Dan, in his personal opinion, saying it should not. What say you, Amy Jennings? I think it's if if a seven inning game can be ruled an official MLB complete game, then it's a no hitter. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I I don't think and I think this was FP's point. You can't punish the player for the rule change that was out of their control. I think right. we can talk about if this was a nine game inning and he had a no hitter through seven, but then they called it due to weather. No, because you should have had two more innings. that's not the game. Right. right exactly. But you're going into the game knowing that it's going to be seven innings. And also, with that in mind, you the, the manager and the coaching staff has that in mind going into the game, right? So your strategy has already changed to play seven innings because, like, you see pinch hitters in the eighth and ninth inning during a no-hitter. You're going to see that, assuming, in a sixth and seventh inning of a seven-game, uh, uh, seven-inning game. So in my mind, yes, it should count. That's the rule. Uh, MLB should recognize that as a no-hitter because going into it, you knew it was going to be seven innings. Right, exactly. It's a scheduled seven-inning complete game. You throw a no-hitter, it's a no-hitter. Granted, nine-inning no-hitter is a little bit more impressive, of course, yes. but it's a no-hitter yeah. nonetheless. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Other people have been throwing out a bunch of different things too, like what if it's a seven-inning game, but then it goes to extras and he throws a no-hitter in nine innings that was scheduled seven innings. I'm like that, that, to me, that's still a no hitter, and still a no hitter. I guess yeah. it's a. It, it would be like you know how you write the final score it would be final slash nine because it was supposed to be seven. 
I don't right. know. It'd be like throwing a no hitter in like 10 innings or something like that. It's the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Same it's, thing. I'm with you, Bobby. I agree cool. with you. Cool, I don't cool. know who was it FP. We're on FP side or we're on. Oh, we're on FP side. Yeah. FP, FP side. Yeah. FP is the one that said you can't blame the uh, the player for the, uh, the the rule change that he had no nothing to do with um, right. out of his control. And, and going into the game, you knew it was going to be seven innings. Uh, Respect Dan's opinion, but I, I I more lean towards FP. So it should be might be a little little feisty on on the yeah, broadcast. Yeah, might this be a week. little tension yeah. in the broadcast. Booth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, looking forward to it. Well, thanks everyone so much for tuning in. Of course, give Amy Jennings a follow on Twitter at Amy Jennings News. She's doing some great work for us on all of our accounts. I, Amy, I know you you're mostly Nationals focused, but you did a really good package on the Orioles side of our massing coverage. The Orioles have their first uh, female woman. Uh, coaching staff at their Del Marva team. You did a great package on her. Uh, I encourage people to go check that out. It's super interesting uh, and good for the Orioles hiring uh, females in, in positions of coaching uh, throughout the course of their system. So that was great. Amy Jennings News, if you want to check that out, of course, uh, she's doing great work for us. So, Amy, thank you so much, and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you later. Yeah, thank you, Bobby. See you next week. All right, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Mass and Alexis podcast. Of course, uh, be sure to check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. And check us out every week, usually every week, on uh, the Mass and Nationals YouTube channel and Facebook page and on Twitter. You can also check out my series recaps on the Mass and All Access podcast, all audio. So be sure to subscribe, uh, recapping every series the Nationals play and then previewing their next one. We took I took a look at the Blue Jays earlier this morning. Uh, it's, of course, a two-game series, so it's not that long of an episode, only 18 games. I try to mark each uh, portion of the podcast throughout those episodes. So if you just want to listen to the Game 2 portion over the weekend or jump ahead to the preview portion, those are marked out for you in the comment or uh, in the description section for those episodes episodes. Uh, you can also check me out on MassInSports.com. I'll be filling in for Mark Zuckerman on Tuesday for the series opener against Blue, uh, the Blue Jays, so I'll be writing for the site, so uh, you'll be checking me out there, and then, of course, uh, Mark will be back on Wednesday, and he's got you covered throughout the course of the season, so be sure to give him a follow as well and check out the blog on the website. I'm at Bobby underscore Blanco. Thanks again, everyone, so much for tuning in. Really appreciate you making us a part of your Monday afternoon. Enjoy the games this week. We'll talk to you soon. 